Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we're back into it. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. All right, uh, we talked about, you know, the things that might actually stick to Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party, whether or not uh, they'll have to bear the burden of all these faux pas, including uh, the sticky situation with SNC-Lavalin and their attorney general at the time, whether or not the uh, prime minister's office directed her or even pressured her uh, to, this is the key word, because uh, if she was pressured, this is what the opposition is suggesting, and Justin Trudeau saying, we never directed her. We never directed her. In other words, uh, that's not the question, but he's trying to be slippery with semantics. But let's leave that aside, because there's also uh, an upside to, I guess, uh, some good news, if you will, for the party in power. The job numbers came out, the employment figures, and uh, they're rather impressive. Employment had a surge in jobs for youth, and uh, record private sector hiring as well. Uh, let me just give you where economists were forecasting only a 5,000 employment uh, increase in January. The jobless rate jumped to 5.8% uh, month over month from 56 in December. Uh, but that's because more people are looking for work, which shows that there's a strengthening job market. So the labor force increased by 103,700. Biggest one-month increase since 2009. The increase led by 60,500 in the number of youth. Those are 15 to 24-year-olds joining the job market. Uh, So that uh, also led the employment gains with 52,800. I guess I'm kind of curious if this is John Carmine. I'll I'll ask you because this is the kind of stuff where, you know, (laughs) the spin doctors get involved and say, look at this, our economy is robust and we're creating all kinds of jobs here. And uh, so can Justin Trudeau bask in this good news? I don't think he can bask for five minutes. <clears throat> you know, one month doesn't make a year in, in, in this type of data, but I'm delighted to see the youth job numbers, and if those are real numbers and they continue to grow, that's a great signal for our country and for the youth of the country. But I don't think Trudeau can settle on anything right now. I think he's got so much scandal and mismanagement behind him. I, I really do believe that uh, this is just a one-month wonder, and uh, I, don't think, uh, I don't think he can rest on his laurels on that. All right. Well, that's another question. Is it uh, Justin Trudeau's doing or is it a case of, well, look, Ontario, with an employment gain of 41,400, led the job surge among provinces? You might say, hey, that was Doug Ford uh, opening Ontario for business. And that's where the jobs came pouring in. How about it, Michael? Well, let's reverse the headline. If it was 60,000 jobs lost, it would be Trudeau government responsible for the loss of 60,000 jobs. I'm not saying they're totally uh, responsible for the fact that these jobs have been created, but there has to be some credit given to the way the government's fiscal policies if this is happening. And, you know, it's not a one-month one wonder in a sense because, you know, since 2016, there's been 900,000 new jobs created in Canada, and, and 75% of them are in the private sector. I mean, there's a Statistics Canada data. Um, yeah, would I like to see less jobs being lost in the goods producing sector which they talk about you know manufacturing and that yeah there's concern there uh, a lot of these jobs were created in in the service industry but you know you also also have to if you're going to start digging deep you have to dig deeper into other things the Randstad uh, Canada came out with their 
you know, the, the, the most demand jobs at the moment, and they are, you know, sales associate drivers, general laborers, the kind of things that would fall out of the, of the uh, you know, it would be generally classified as service industry. But in terms of Canada's investment, where we're going, their top 10 emerging jobs in Canada are blockchain developer, automation engineer, AI researchers, we're moving into tech. So it's the exact thing you want to see. This First of all, it's good. These are good job numbers. And secondly, you want to see job growth and emerging job growth in sectors that are replacing, frankly, manufacturing and are creating good, well-paying jobs. Well, is that what they are? Good, well-paying jobs if the big bump is in the 15 to 24-year-old cohort? Or are they, uh, you know, jobs where they're delivering, uh, you know, skip the dish? Well, a lot of those are tech jobs, too. I mean, the young people, 15 to 24, are those that are entering the tech sector. Well, 15 years of age, I'm not well, sure. Not Sherry, tight, yeah, Sherry yeah. DeNovo, how do you see it? Um, well, let's put it this way. StatsCan also says that the median income in Ontario has dropped since 1976. It was 37000 a year, now it's thirty five. I mean, ask these kids if they can afford or will ever afford a house in Toronto. I mean, I think a lot of those jobs, they're part-time, um, they're precarious. Uh, yes, they boost the figures. But are these the kinds of middle-class jobs that will eventually mean home ownership? Now, I think Michael's right. Some of them are. There's no question. So some of it's good news. But most of it is not good news. Um, It's not good news, especially if you actually talk to those folk in Toronto who are in that age bracket. They're not doing well. They can barely afford rent, um, many of them. I mean, we should be looking at... Are there careers? Are these jobs going to be able to afford them one day, the middle-class lifestyle that their parents maybe enjoy? That means a house. It means, you know, a car. It means some some security. And I would say, mm, not so much. But 15 to 24 gets them going, right? Well, it but them out, it doesn't it get them, them going the mother, if they're the delivered. Basement and gets them well, uh, into the workforce. No, as a parent of some of those, I mean, no. If they're if they're riding a bike for Fedora, they're not. They're still in their parents' basement. All right. Well, they also say uh, there were broad-based losses among uh, goods-producing sectors, including manufacturing. So you know where Michael Giles says, well, we're just rotating towards tech now, and manufacturing is sort of that ship has sailed. Uh, no chance uh, putting. That genie in the bottle or forestalling the erosion. Uh, John Carmichael, do you see this as uh, maybe a dangerous, a precarious development? Well, I, th- I think Michael's probably right. When you when you look at the uh, job or the uh, manufactured goods production jobs going down uh, and you look at a General Motors who have announced 2,500 uh, workers are going to be laid off. They've also announced some 5,000 tech jobs in Markham and downtown Toronto that are going to be introduced into the market. And so I think uh, I think we're starting to see that conversion to uh, to new job energy coming into the into the province. And I and I think Ontario, to your point, Mike, it is open for business, and we're seeing some of those results now. Well, all right, Sherry. I know you would argue against this, but I mean, if you've got that fifteen to twenty-four year old cohort uh, who have got the most significant increase, there is it possible that a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage? might have tamped down those numbers. Absolutely not. And historical evidence shows that it would not. Um, I'm the the gal that brought in the $10 minimum wage back in the day, and everybody was, you know, hooting and hollering and saying this is going to kill jobs. Well, it didn't. In fact, it helped jobs. Um, uh, and that was a, a significant increase over the $8 that, that we had before. So, uh, and, and also, by the way, it's not a, a small business issue. About 85% of new jobs come through small business, and they have always tended to pay more because 
they don't have the benefit packages often to offer that the larger companies do. So increasing the minimum wage puts more money in people's pockets that they spend. Absolutely. So you, you know, you want to help people at the lower end rather than helping people at the upper end and hoping it trickles down. That does not work. Mm. All right. Well, uh, maybe keeping more of the capital to be reinvested by the small business owner is another way of approaching that. You're agreeing with that one, aren't you, John Carmichael? Absolutely. I, I, and I, I, I hate to disagree with Sherry, but I, I can't buy the uh, businesses look for ways to retain profit. And if uh, if you put a $15 minimum wage, they're going to find ways to cap employment. And and I, I, I don't see that that's a win-win for the uh, employment market. I just thought it was interesting that Ontario uh, increased employment by 41400 and uh, nobody wants to give credit to Doug Ford. I oh, did. You, you did, okay. <laughs> I said, yeah, I said Sherry, Sherry, are you ready I, I, to capitulate? I, I, I think the reality is probably neither <laughs> Trudeau nor Doug Ford really deserves much credit on this front. I mean, I, these, 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 you know, this is industry doing what industry will do. Um, having said that, I think what you're, what we're looking at is absolutely true, that we're losing um, good union-based middle-class jobs. I mean, this is what our parents' generation had and some of us have, um, to, uh, you know, precarious employment. And yes, we are seeing some increase in the tech sector, but not enough to make up for it, clearly because median income isn't going up, and clearly because young people can't afford what used to be considered the basics of middle-class life, which is to own a home. All right, let's come back. Uh, There's more to talk about where young people are concerned on college and university campuses. Interesting development there, and uh, we'll put that to the panel next. Here on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.